The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next, in 1996, Alice Johnson received a mandatory sentence of life in prison. The first Bible that I put, picked up in county jail that I understood was an NIV Bible. I fell in love with the Word of God. After Alice relied on God for more than two decades, President Trump commuted her sentence at the request of Kim Kardashian. Her journey from incarceration to freedom, next. So good to have you, and oh my goodness, Sheila, what a story. This is, um, our guest today is phenomenal. It, I, I mean, how you go from being a mother of five, manager at FedEx, to suddenly finding yourself given a sentence of, a toe tag sentence basically, life without I, the possibility yeah, of parole. Un unbelievable, I saw this lady's story and I said, we have to have her on Life Today. And she is now here. Would you welcome Alice Marie Johnson to Life Today? Yes, Alice. Thank you. <laughs> so good to have you. Thank you. It's just, it's kind of a miracle just seeing you here. Because as far as society was concerned, you, you were locked up for the rest of your life. I was hidden away, given a, what is called an unexecuted sentence of death. Unbelievable. I was wow. told that the only way that I would leave prison would be as a corpse. That is the only way that I was told that I would ever rejoin my family. How did you get to that point? I mean, because you, you, you did make some mistakes. I did. Yes. I, I take full responsibility for the mistakes, bad decisions, bad choices that I made in life. As Sheila said, I was a manager with FedEx. I'd worked for them for 10 years, and I lost my job. My life started just spiraling out of control. I got involved in gambling. My house was about to be foreclosed on. I filed bankruptcy. I had five children and absolutely zero child support. Mm. Me and my husband had divorced recently and I was given an offer from hell. I can now say it was an mm -hmm. offer from hell mm. to be involved in a drug conspiracy. My role was to be what is called a telephone mule. That means that I pass messages of telephone numbers from one party to the next party. They don't know me, and I don't need to know them. When they, everything came to an end, and we were all arrested, the ones who literally brought me into this were the very ones who testified against me to receive lesser sentences. I made the decision, bad, bad decision, to go to trial. I was offered a very low sentence. My attorney told me I was being offered um, 35 years. I chose to go to trial, six-week trial. At the end, I was found guilty of conspiracy. Now, was that a new word when conspiracy was added into? Because for you to be sent away for life yes. for what you did is ridiculous. Well, in conspiracy, you're charged with every facet, everything anyone ever does in the conspiracy, you're charged with it. So because I went to trial, I was charged with everything. 
And conspiracy means my charges were attempted possession, never possession, because it was mainly testimony of and telephone records. So just, just for clarity, you, you never actually sold any drugs. I never sold drugs. You never handled any no. drugs. When, no. the, when they came and raided your home... There were no drugs. There were no drugs. There were no drugs. You, you literally weren't buying or selling, placing the order. You were passing information via telephone from one party yes. to another. Yes. Which, understandably, in the, in the scheme of things, is a crime. It's a crime, and it was wrong, but it did not but deserve the sentence. But that's, that's Under what I'm the mandatory at. minimum sentencing guidelines... There are, the, those are drug dealers that have been in and out quicker than that. Well, the ones, the very ones who had long criminal records, they knew the system. I didn't know the system. Oh. So they knew not to go to trial. What was that like when you received that sentence? I mean, what happened inside of you, Alice? I couldn't believe it. Inside of me, I knew that I had come to the very end. And how am I going to survive this? How am I going to live this? Mm. When I fell to my very lowest point, Sheila, I think that is the point that I needed to be at the lowest point where there was nothing left of myself. Mm -hmm. The only place that I could look was up. And that's exactly what God wanted me to do, is look up and depend totally upon Him. One of the things I thought was beautiful is you end up in prison, which is crazy, and this sweet woman in a wheelchair <laughs> Gave you a piece of advice. What did she say to you, Alice? She told me to bloom where you're planted. God knows where you are. Mm. That's huge. God mm. knows where you are. And as the scripture says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good, for those who love the Lord, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And it would be in prison that I would find my purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so you, what, what was your relationship with Christ? before, you know, leading up and throughout your life? Well, I grew up in a very strong Christian family. Mm -hmm. And I know people might wonder, well, how in the world did you end up walking in this? It, how did you end up on this path? Mm -hmm. When I was 14 years old, I turned my back on church. I literally, my heart was broken over something that I saw in church. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said that this is not... In fact, I stood up in the middle of the church doing revival and said, announced to the whole congregation, there's more to God than this. Whoa, that was prophetic. <laughs> That's what I said. I was 14. I said, I'll never raise my children in church. And I walked out. My mother, now I came, I, I was born and raised in Mississippi. My mother was no nonsense. She, so can you imagine that shock <laughs> on my deacon father's face? <laughs> and my choir director mother's face, mother in the church, to hear their daughter. I mean, you look around and you wonder, they call me by my middle name, Marie. It's like you couldn't hear a pin drop, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> my mother's marching down through there as I leave the church, and I'm headed outside to, to, to ask me, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and so she brought me back into church. I still went to church every Sunday, because going to church was not an option. Mm -hmm. I still went to church every Sunday, but in my heart, I was no longer a part of it. And so Until I you find away. yourself behind those oh, locked yeah. doors. Mm -hmm. What happened to your faith in there? I mean, because one of the things that's amazing about your book is the way that God used you in prison mm -hmm. 
to, I mean, it's like you blossomed in I prison. That it's like is. God took you to prison to mm -hmm. set you free. That's absolutely right. I never understood. I always loved Jesus all of my life. I grew up just, I can't remember a time that I didn't love him. I, I wrote my very first poem at the age of 10 years old. And my teachers realized that I had a gift. I could write. And it was about God. It was called, Who is He? It's in the book. It's, it's beautiful, book. actually. Yeah. It's called, Who is He? And when I went to prison, that gift that was laying dormant was stirred up. And I picked up my pen. It's, it's, it's like, like the Lord asked Moses, what is that in your hand? It was a rod. And it was that question was, what is that in your hand? It's a pen. Use it. Wow. And I started writing plays. And I for the prisoners? For the prisoners. That's I brilliant. wrote faith-based plays. I wrote all kind of plays, but mainly faith-based plays. My first full product, production play, The Life and Passion of Jesus Christ. Wow. A hundred cast members, including artists, artists, singers, dancers, women who had been told that they could do nothing all of their lives, all of a sudden were being applauded. Oh, wow. And can you imagine mm -hmm. what that means to someone who has never in their life been applauded for doing something? And so they started blooming. And it started having a domino effect all over the prison. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you, just not focusing on myself and focusing on other people. Yeah, that, that, I'm thinking that because you could have been writing plays about how the system is bad and people are evil and there's no justice and but yet you know there's that phrase no justice no peace you didn't have any justice but you had peace i had peace once i picked up the first bible that i put, picked up in county jail that i understood was an niv bible free on the inside mm -hmm. i fell in love with the word of god mm -hmm. That was the thing that was missing from my life. Mm -hmm. I knew Jesus, I loved Jesus, but I didn't know, I didn't know his word. Boy, that's For big. myself, I only knew what preachers preach from behind the pulpit. Mm, that's huge. So I fell in love with the word of God. And when you know that you have been forgiven much, mm -hmm. how in the world could I not forgive others? Mm. I released everyone, my ex-husband, the people who testified against me, the people the whole, the system that put me there mm -hmm. that I knew was unfair, but could I live my life in bitterness? I couldn't, <laughs> I could not, because as, I, as I've said, it makes you have a rottenness of the very soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So not only did I embrace forgiveness from Jesus Christ, I gave, I gave forgiveness. Mm. Whether they ever knew I forgave them or not, I didn't really care because that's what set me free mm -hmm. and put a skip in my step. <laughs> and that was something that I ministered to other women. Let it go. Wow. Let it go because you're not destroying anyone. They, they're go they've gone on with their lives. Do it for yourself. You start the book by telling this dream that you have while you're in prison. Yes. You have this dream that some beautiful woman is going to call you and somehow you're going to be free. Yes. You live to see the fulfillment I of that dream. I live to see the fulfillment of that dream. All during my time in prison, I'm not kidding, Sheila, Randy, the Lord would give me different dreams. When I'd feel down, 
he showed me again, but every single dream, all the time, even strangers would come up to me and tell me that, Miss Alice, we dreamed that you were set free. There were, there was cameras everywhere, media. I kept having these media dreams. But in that dream, I shared it with another friend of mine, Josette. And since I came, when I came home, she shared it back to me, the same thing I had journaled about. She said that she could never forget me telling her that. But it, there was a beautiful woman who I didn't know who would tell me, who would fight for me to be free, he would, and who would, in fact, tell me that I could go home. A woman I'd never seen before. And I now know that that was Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I never knew who Kim Kardashian was. How did, but, she, how did she know who you were? I did a video op-ed, and it went viral. Someone who Kim follows tweeted it, retweeted it, and did she Did you even it. know what a tweet was back then? Uh, I really did. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something. When they told me that the video op-ed had gone viral, I got scared. I thought I had introduced a virus into the internet. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Because the other thing, Alice, that's amazing was, you know, Clemency was on the line. Yes. But you had so many disappointments. I mean, oh, yes. Down read the book the is heartbreaking how many Down doors the kept. I had, I didn't sit around just waiting for clemency. I was fighting. I'd exhausted every remedy, uh, appeal after appeal, even assert to the Supreme Court. Even when laws changed because they were not retroactive, they didn't apply to me. Oh, wow. Laws that for people who were just coming into the system would never have gotten a life sentence mm. like I received, but they were not retroactive. And because there was no parole in the federal system, no one would ever hear about what was called extraordinary rehabilitation that I had, uh, I had gained while I was in prison. Mm -hmm. I had completely clear conduct. I had letters from my warden, letters from my captain, letters from the staff. Even the women in prison started writing letters to the pardon attorney and to the president, begging for my release because they wanted to see me free too. And it looked like that was going to happen, but on that final day as President Barack Obama left office mm -hmm. and walked up the steps onto that plane and turned around and said goodbye, you felt as if you'd been left behind. Yes. But God had another plan. He had, he had a bigger plan, plan. A bigger plan. And I've said this over and over. I was not I was not denied. I was not delayed. I was destined for such a time as this. It gives me chill bumps. So take us to that time. Tell so us Kim Kardashian yeah, oh, oh, takes up your case. Right. She goes to the White House. Yes. Ivanka gets involved. Um, Jerry gets involved. Jared gets involved. And she gets a, an audience with the president on my birthday. On your birthday. On my birthday, May the 30th. And for seven days, the number of completion. Yes, indeed. We were in limbo as to whether or not the president would grant my clemency. And on the day that it actually happened, I didn't really think it was real. People were telling me, watch the news. But I'd, re I'd gotten so many disappointments. Mm -hmm. I went in my room and I shut the door. I shut everything out. And it was a Wednesday. And on Wednesdays, that's hamburger day. Hamburger? Well, hey, we you don't have love hamburgers hamburg. every Wednesday, so I went to lunch. <laughs> and, a woman after my own heart. Yes, and as soon as I took a bite, I heard my name being announced over the intercom to report back to my building. And when I went back, I thought it was an attorney call. My uh, 
case manager told me I had an attorney call. But when I picked the phone up, not only was he attorneys, but it was Kim Kardashian on the other end. And what did she say to you? She thought I knew. Oh, wow. Yeah, she told me. She said, we did it. I'm like, she said, you could go. I said, what? I'm, I'm still, I'm still, it's not registering to me that she's telling me that yeah. I can go, that I'm free. And when she told me that I could go home and the other attorneys told her she, she don't know, she says, no one's told her. She didn't know that I didn't know. And I'm telling you, and I've said this, I broke into full Pentecostal holy dance. <laughs> up in that room. I guess so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And how long had you served at that point, Alice? 21 years, seven months, and six days. Unbelievable. I remember watching on the news the day you were released. And I remember only one car was allowed in, and mm -hmm. your family were waiting outside. Mm -hmm. And I remember. Tell us about that moment, because you gave glory to God. Oh, yes. When we pulled out, my family was on the other side of the road. I saw all of those cameras and satellites. I couldn't believe it. But just a minute, my eyes were big as saucers passing by them. But when I saw my family, that all disappeared. And I ran across that road with my hands up in the air. And as soon as they gave me that mic, I gave mm -hmm. thanks and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he is the one who was with me 24-7. Mm. My family was with me. I was surrounded by friends, but it was the Lord who did, who was with me, who I could call upon in the midnight hour. Yes, ma'am. When I could call upon when I was down or feeling hopeless, he would renew my hope. Something else, some other thing God would do to let me know that he was with me. When I got that last denial, because I, I tried three times for clemency, when on that day that I thought all hope was gone, as I was on my knees praying that morning in prayer, trying to figure out what more I could have done, mm. I received a very strong, distinct word from the Lord. It's, I can't tell you I heard it audibly, but I heard it because I jumped up with a smile on my face from prayer, from tears to praise right there in my, at my bunk bed on that concrete floor. The Lord said to me, Jesus is the resurrection. And so as everyone in the prison would ask me, including staff, are you okay, Miss Alice? My only response, I didn't even say I'm okay. I just said, Jesus is the resurrection. <laughs> and he showed me that he is the resurrection, mm -hmm. even though it looked like a dead thing, that all of my hopes, everything was dead. But in order for there to be a resurrection, there has to, something has to die. Yeah. Wow. And it seemed like every chance I had to be free was dead. And my sister said to me that the Lord is going to do this in such a way that everyone is going to know mm -hmm. that it was him who did it. Mm -hmm that it would not be man, it would be him. Mm -hmm. There are many people who are watching right Woo! now. Yeah, right? They need that resurrection. So I'm, here to, I'm here to tell you, if you're that one that you're watching and you're saying, you know what, I, I feel like I'm in prison, whatever that prison may be, literally, figuratively, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, Jesus is that resurrection. If you didn't hear anything today, hear that. Jesus is your resurrection.
we want to send you this book right now, Afterlife, the story of Alice Marie Johnson. Because you heard a good portion of it today, but you did not hear all of it. No. And we want to send it to you as a gift when you make a gift right now to give life to someone else. Let me show, it, show you how to do that. You can be that hope in someone's life today. Watch this. Is he saying something? He says it's painting. It's pain? Yeah, it's painting. It's painting. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> I'm in a village in Angola and came upon this child. This little boy's Augusto, and this breaks my heart. His little feet are in some of the worst shape I've ever seen, and there were many in this village with horrible conditions on their feet. But this little guy, he's, he's just scratching. They itch so bad. They're completely infected. He said there's insects that have gotten into his feet. I, I'll be surprised if he doesn't lose his toe. And then the disease comes in through their feet and just goes throughout their body. It can actually kill them, all from going barefoot in conditions that we're in right here. I know Shoes and Smiles is a campaign that we get really excited about, and it's fun. But this is why it's fun, because it saves lives. You would think just a pair of shoes is not life-saving, but in areas like this, in conditions like this, it is. And we can change it for Augusto. We can help him. We, we're going to clean these up and, and get him a pair of shoes and help him. Please, do what you can. Help bring shoes to little children like Augusto all over the world. You can be a part of something big and something even fun, but this is the reason we do it. Please. Do you know what it takes to give that young boy shoes, a pair of shoes like this? $3.60. That is so little to make such a huge, huge difference. Sheila. This is the last week that we are doing the, the Christmas Shoes and Smiles. I know we're early as far as the year goes, but it's so important that people understand that this is, is not just simply a gift, it's a lifesaver. Yeah. I was in Angola with Janice that you saw there in that um, film piece, and when you walk with some of these moms and their children down to where they get water, and these children have no shoes on, and they have cuts in their feet, and then they put their feet into dirty water, and often it's hookworm, you know, which can actually go to a child's brain and take away their life. And all they're asking for is for a pair of shoes for their child. Now, you know, we're a little early, as Randy said, for Christmas, but we have to know, we're, it's been our goal to get 150,000 children shoes for Christmas. Mm -hmm. This is our last week. Mm -hmm. um, um, we can all do something um, very reasonable if you can for $36 you can give 10 children a pair of shoes you can't buy shoes for that price over here for $180 you can put um, shoes on the feet of 50 children and it's it's to me it's one of those things that you know when Christmas comes around, it gets kind of crazy. The mall gets busy. Everything gets kind of nuts. Wouldn't it be a phenomenal thing to do as a family to say, you know what, this year, we're not going to do that. You know, sure, we're going to have fun together, but we're going to make Christmas about giving because Christmas is about giving. Mm -hmm. If God hadn't given us Christ, where would any of us be?
Did you, you mentioned the mall. Do you still go to the mall? No, I don't. Actually. I don't either. No. You know, I go online. I click a little bit, and boom, the gift arrives. That's what you can do. You can send that gift halfway around the world. Just go online, lifetoday.org, make the best gift you can, and this wonderful gift will arrive this Christmas for children who will appreciate it so, so much. We call it Christmas Shoes and Smiles because there is another part of this. We provide shoes, but we also provide smiles, literally giving children the ability to smile as we go in and we work with these surgeons who have so graciously given over their time to fix a, a cleft lip, a cleft palate, which in a lot of third world countries is, is not, um, it's not a simple thing. It, it's a very complex thing and, and it can really put a child at a disadvantage from a health standpoint, uh, from all, all sorts of standpoints. So we can fix that. And that's a $500 item, uh, a big ticket item to me. But I think there are quite a few of you out there that, that have the means that would say, you know what, I want to put that smile on a child's face. $500 will do that for one, $1,000 for two. Whatever you can do, I think it, it is that sense of giving, that sense of, you know what, we are the expression of the, the one we celebrate at Christmas, of Christ. Will you go online or pick up the phone and give the best gift you can? Give some shoes and give some smiles. Poverty is a killer. And because of it, children needlessly suffer, not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we often take for granted, like a simple pair of shoes. Far too many children living in extreme poverty have never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections and disease that could lead to crippling consequences and even death. By responding today, you can help immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 150,000 children around the world, just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes, a gift of $72 will provide 20 pair, and a gift of $180 will help provide 50 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. As a thank you for your gift of support, be sure to request this beautifully crafted green crystal shoe ornament, a treasure to display at each Christmas. With your gift of $100 or more, you may also request this keepsake boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries. And you may request the beautiful Safe in the Shepherd's Arms bronze sculpture. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Thank you so much. Please make your best gift possible. This is the last week, but this is a phenomenal book, Afterlife, for Miss Story of Miss Alice Marie Johnson. You're going to, I just want to thank you, our dear sister. Thank may you. God bless you and continue your ministry. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much for being here. And thank, thank you all of you for being with us on live today. We'll see you again next time. Remember, Jesus is the resurrection. Amen. Amen. <laughs>
after losing his wife to cancer, Rick Rigsby's world was turned upside down. At the casket, Jesus didn't say to me, I'm going to fix it. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.